If you're managing a machine learning or AI team at Google or Facebook, you might be beyond this podcast. And again, if you're in a staff or a leadership position working for a startup or a growing company, or maybe you're leaving Google and Facebook and want to do just that, and you need to build an AI team, this podcast is for you. Today, we'll be talking about creating AI teams and whether you're a first-line manager or a CEO, and whether you're just getting started or have a small team built already, there's only one thing that matters. You need a good team. So stay tuned to hear how. I'm John Pryor, and welcome to the Georgian Impact Podcast. Today, I'm talking with Ji Chao Zhang, who's the Director of Software Engineering here at Georgian Partners. Now, I hope this doesn't go to his head, but Ji Chao is the perfect guest to talk about getting an early stage and beyond company started with machine learning and AI. Ji Chao has grown his career as a software engineer with his last stop at Amazon before joining Georgian. Not only has Ji Chao and his team consulted with scores of companies around applied artificial intelligence, but he also runs our software development team. You see, to leverage and scale Ji Chao's team to provide value to our companies means something beyond the traditional, developing software assets. Yep, a growth equity investment firm is writing software. Ji Chao and his team develop software to help companies leverage key emerging technologies, particularly around ML and AI. We've already had one product accepted by Google into their TensorFlow library. We'll put some details in the show notes. And after each engagement that Ji Chao's team completes, we create assets that we can then replicate for other companies. Makes a lot of sense to me. Ji Chao, I'd like to start with a basic question. So with all this ML and AI stuff, are we done with the traditional data analyst role? I mean, I know it existed. You know, there was somebody who thought about the data. Maybe they ran queries, worked with and advised different parts of the company. But where are we on that? The data analyst role has been there much longer than the data scientist role. And I can see it's still going to play a big role in a data-driven culture for the time being. But there's fundamental difference between the data analyst role and the data scientist role, though. I'm glad you made that distinction. So I might think that the scientist is strategic and the analyst is more execution. Is, is that probably too broad a way to think about it? In a sense, the way I distinguish the data analyst role and the data scientist role is that the data analysts tend to work on broader issues and use data to support the decision-making process for humans and focus on the cases where you don't have to make those decisions very often. For example, if you create a new product, you want to understand whether the customers are actually adopting this new product, what are their feedback of the product. That's more like a data analyst type of role. In the meantime, the data scientists focus on more of those low-stake type of decisions you need to make quite frequently. For example, if you want to recommend a product on an online retail website, you can't have a human sitting there to make those recommendations to each customer. That's where the data scientists come in to mine the patterns in the past user purchase data to make predictions in basically real time. So strategy and execution wasn't too bad. Strategy really is these long-term big company decisions that are being made. And you really want to see that the the scientist is focusing on things that can be automated. And I can see how we're on this journey now to ML and AI. 
I'm assuming there's some degree of overlap in terms of the tasks of each of these groups. Help me understand a little bit how you see these groups interacting together, how you should be focusing on building a team around these folks. Sure. There's definitely a lot of overlap between the activities and tasks taken by either the analyst role or the data scientist role. The key difference is that the data analyst needs much more domain-specific expertise. Basically, they need to be much closer to the organization, to the product they're building, to their customer's requirement, while the data scientists need much more, much stronger coding skills and need to be up to date in terms of development in the machine learning science research field. That's interesting. There really are different types of skills. You talk about the analysts having the domain knowledge, being much more closer to understanding the business, and the analyst is much more of a programmer type category. Now, I take it there's not a lot of movement between the two groups then. Is there much flexibility and fluidity in terms of these uh, skills? I think we need to be careful because of the different skill sets they need and also because of people's expectation. I have seen situations where a company organized uh, a data science team by throwing a lot of you know, data analysis, reporting type of you know, tasks to the data science team, which caused two problems. The first problem is that really distracts the data science team from what they should be working on. They should be working on building automated solutions, not to generate reports for people to make decisions. Mm-hmm. The second issue is because you know, creating reports, you know, doing a lot of data analysis, is not really what the data scientists sign up to do. If you keep asking them to do that again and again, uh, very probably they're going to depart from the team and find a different job for themselves. Wow, that's great. I think that was a great distinction, uh, particularly about people staying in the company, being happy in their jobs, remembering what makes a, a technical person, a program person happy, which is different than making an analyst and operations person happy. So matching skills is great. So I'd like to step back and talk about the maturity model This is something that Georgian and the Impact team has developed, and it's really for measuring a company's machine learning status and progress. We're going to put some links in the show notes for this, and everybody should check out the good work that's been done. And what I'd like to do to keep us fenced a little bit today is I'm just going to talk about really level one and level two, maybe level three, but let's stick with the greater number of companies. You ready to talk about maturity models? Sure. Let's go, John. I'm just going to kind of extract from level one. You're pioneering machine learning adoption. You're trying to prove value add. You're focusing on securing organizational buy-in. I mean, there's lots of unknowns. There's no clear executable machine learning roadmap yet. Not everybody believes in machine learning or they feel it's too expensive or the value is there. So we're really, this is really the beginning, right? So what you just described, John, is what I call the exploring stage. So in my mind, as you mentioned, this first stage is a key for organizations to go through to successfully adopt machine learning. Due to a lot of the unknowns you just mentioned, uh, I have seen many, many companies setting up big ambition to adopt machine learning that failed at the starting line. Oh, so <laughs> that's got to be the worst. It's got to be demoralizing. So any specifics then in terms of why they fail? The number one reason I see uh, those failures come from is the conflict between the expectation of the huge value add and a rush timeline for the team to deliver. Uh, because you know, there's a lot of story about the machine learning, about the AI, about all the breakthroughs we have in recent days. 
uh, for a team who does not have expert in machine learning yet, it's very easy for them to get mindset that machine learning can solve all the problem. Whatever the problem I have in my in my product, in my offering, as soon as I have a data science team, they're going to solve it. In reality, the team can eventually get there, but it takes the team time to understand the business, to understand their customer, and to build up an efficient work process and internal collaboration uh, to get there. Wow. You've just got to get the level setting right. If they're thinking we're going out for a home run and we don't even know the rules of baseball yet, it's really kind of, we don't have the basics of getting out the bat. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of some guidelines uh, Dr. Andrew N said in his AI uh, transformation playbook. He said that it is more important for your first few AI projects to succeed rather than be most valuable AI projects. Mm. It should be meaningful enough so that the initial success will help your company gain more familiarity with AI and also being able to convince others in the company to invest in future AI projects. It should not be so small that others would consider it trivial. The important thing is to get the flywheel spinning so that your AI team can gain momentum. Ah, so Dr. Ang has quite the resume, including being the co-founder of Google Brain. He's at Stanford. And if this quote that Ji Chow just said resonates, you know, please check out more of his writing. But I'd like to go back to the point of the quote. And I, I like the thought about getting the firewall started and figuring out how to get some, build some momentum here. I was just recently listening to an interesting podcast about the state and future of gene editing, solving medical challenges. And someone was asked the question saying, well, yeah, but you're solving all these little, small, tiny diseases with smaller populations versus going after these larger, pervasive medical problems. And the answer was, these are well-defined, they're smaller to get done, they're easy to solve, and we can build from there. So... Even gene editing is actually going right after what Dr. Eng said as well. Yeah. So paraphrasing what he has said, at level one, the exploring stage, the goal is to jumpstart the flywheel by building up a team and taking on some low-hanging fruit. As soon as the flywheel starts to spin, more value add will naturally happen over time. Another thing I recently learned from the data product manager at Tractic, one of Georgian Partners' portfolio company, is actually to avoid half-assessing initiative. <laughs> Wait a second. Oh, this is funny. You, you did say half-assessed. You said three syllables, not the two-syllable one that we've yet to hear on this podcast. Am I correct? <laughs> That's right. Uh, according to Demetrius, either hire a full team or don't hire at all. Avoid trying to test the waters by hiring one at a time and never producing anything due to blockers or lack of knowledge in other areas. This is really well aligned with my observation of why some of the organizations fail to get flywheel spinning. So it's interesting because you say you don't want to shoot for the moon and go for this giant project. But at the same time, as you say, focus on something small, you're not going to focus on something small with fractional people. You still need to hire a team. You can't just do this with part-time resources. You see, go build the team to get started, right? Yeah, that's right. Remember that machine learning is a company changing technology. It's going to change the entire company. We need the proper skill set and expertise to get all the different parts of this machine running. A good parallel is that similar to building a typical software solution, you need to have a product manager to interact with customers to decide what to build. You need to have back-end, front-end engineers to build a solution. And you also need DevOps engineers to manage the deployment and operation of the software. You also need a product manager to identify 
initiatives that are both valuable and feasible. The feasible part is also, also you know, very, very important. We have seen a lot of situations where you know, people come up with gigantic ideas, but it's not feasible yet with the progress of the scientific research at this moment. Uh, you need data scientists to build the model. And with the model ready, you also need engineers to integrate the model with the data, with the downstream consumers of the model, so that it becomes really useful in some type of workflows, either for your customer or for some internal operation people. Expecting a single person to do all of those tasks really require a, a unicorn, and mm-hmm. that is a far from practical. Actually, in our white paper, we spent quite some effort in describing the composition of the data science team and uh, all the different required skill sets. Great. So we'll put some links into that. It's interesting. I really do like that you've got to get started. Even though you're early, early, once you make the commitment, like you said, it's a company-wide commitment. You've got to get in and you've got to be serious about it and build some people. And, and I know you. You're, you're very serious about this. And you're not just saying, I'm going to build an organization because I want X amount of people. You're not doing this for your ego. You're doing this to get the job done. So I really appreciate this level of detail. So I'd like to just move up a little bit to the level two of the maturity model. You're going to now continue to build organizational confidence in machine learning. We're going to start delivering some material impact to the business. Perhaps there's a model in production and some manual processes are beginning in place to maintain the pipeline of models. And you're beginning to automate now. So to me, what's interesting is we now have a model in product or in production and you've got to now make sure all the scaffolding and support is there and can be replicated. You're now beginning to get a little more sophisticated. Fair? Yeah, that's right. If we say at level one, the exploring stage, the focus to get the right people and get those people some momentum by taking out some low-hanging fruits. At the second stage, what we call the building stage, the focus switch to the process, the technology, and automation. It's time to build a repeatable process so that the team can start to work on some other high-priority opportunities. The goal at this stage is to improve the repeatability of the ML product development process to deliver value-add in high-priority opportunities. And we need to do this before we further scaling up the machine learning or data science organization. Uh, and it is crucial to establish best practices in terms of development process, technology selection, and automating some of the core tasks. So you're actually not going to yet grow the team. You're now going to evolve the team to focus a little more on the scaffolding and the automation. We're not quite ready to double the size of the team as we put up more product. You really need to build some structure. So at the building stage, I think we do have the necessity to expand the team because at level one, the team already shows the feasibility that they can add value to the organization. Now we should already have some more organizational support to add more resource to the team. Right. We need to do a certain thing right before we further scale up the team is to make sure that we're not adding the second, the third, the fourth team yet. But adding more resource to the core team at this moment will help them to think about some of the focus we want to have at level two. Great, as they mature. So that, that makes, actually, that makes a lot of sense. So I mentioned that you know, getting a repeatable process at uh, the building stage is very important, but it's also very hard because compared to software engineering, data science is still a very young field. You know, one of the quotes I recently read is that 
a data science manager has the most important job in the 21st century, but in the meantime, they have the least understood job. <laughs> Nobody understands them yet. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Right. So, although there is a well-accepted process in software development,、uh, something like agile, we don't have such a thing in data science process yet. The biggest difference comparing the data science and software engineering is that data science is just not as predictable as software engineering, and because of that. Data science effort need much faster iteration and actually focus on the iteration because the output of one iteration is going to guide the effort in the second iteration. It's very hard to plan out everything at the very beginning and just follow it through. So it's interesting. I'm quite surprised, and it's kind of neat to me that you're saying this is not really agile. You need to iterate faster because you don't quite know yet where we're going. So we need to be iterating on trying all these models and what data sources are working. And and you have so many choices. It's not like I'm going to sit down and write code to accomplish a specific task. I'm still exploring, figuring all this out. That's really interesting. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. Talk to me a bit a bit about. Best practices,、mm-hmm. like you said, it's least understood, but you've seen a lot. So, what's your sense of best practices that are out there? The key here is you need to adjust whatever the methodology others or best practice others created to the context of your business, of your team, of the culture of your organization. The team also need to be aware that whatever the process they created. Won't be the final stage. Wow! It's more like evolution, so that the team is going to create hypotheses, saying this is the best way for us now. But trying to figure out what works and what does not work, and try to replace the piece which does not work with some new ideas. It's interesting. One of the terms we're using is data science, but it's very clear what you're saying. There is no single answer, and what I'm hearing is. At this stage for this technology, there is as much art as science in getting this right. What else should the teams be thinking about? So maybe I can offer as judging partner what we are doing over here in terms of the process. Our R and D team adopted what we call the iteration based process. Although it sounds similar to some of the concept from Agile, it's quite different. The goal is to focus on quick iteration over ideas and experimentations to gather information so that we know what should be the next step. So instead of having a moonshot type of goal and hopefully everything will just work at the very end, we more want a, a laps on the track type of. Solution so that we know what progress we have made so far, how much gap we have, and you know keep having newer and newer iterations until we get there. And these are iterations of machine learning models, necessarily not iterations of code development per se. Although models are code, but it's again not programming you're talking about, correct? It can be both because、ah, okay. in order to do machine learning, you have to translate your hypothesis into experimentation. And a lot of the translation had to be done by coding, right? So sometimes those iteration is about what dataset we should be using. Sometimes it's about how we're going to engineer the features for our model. Sometimes it's about which machine learning model and what hyperparameter we're going to use. It really depends on the stage you are at for the project. So the breadth of art is broader than I was even thinking about. There's a lot of piece parts to this. Yeah, that's right. Another thing.、Um, 
that the team need to focus on as a building stage is automation. So if we think in a software development, usually when we create a new team and the new team work on a new project, everyone got very excited. But after you have the first version release and the project was put into maintenance mode, no one really loved to maintain and run a system because they're not learning more from it. The feature requires a small, you're putting patch here and there. The similar things apply to the data science work as well. In order to avoid having our pressure data science resource working on the maintenance of the existing solution, we need to automate many of the processes so that they can keep doing innovation. For example, manually setting up a class of machines and running experiments on it really takes a lot of time and no one enjoyed doing it, but that's still a core part of our iteration, right? But right now, there are a lot of offerings which can be used to automate such a process. Uh, I haven't seen good offering from all the major cloud providers, and there's third-party solutions there as well. Let's say just for this example, if we have a good solution where we can efficiently run large-scale experimentation, that helps our data sanity much, much more productive. It's interesting. I see so many more balls that you're juggling that's that's not in a traditional software development sense. So this is this is really, really interesting and intriguing for me. So I think it's great. I'd like to just wrap up and talk to you about what you see in terms of machine learning today. I mean, you have seen hundreds of companies and leaving out the huge companies, the Googles, et cetera. What's your take as to where most companies are relating to machine learning? Uh, my impression is that more than two-thirds of the companies are still in the exploring or the building stage, so what we just talked about. Uh, there's about less than one-third of the company at the scaling stage, Google, Facebook, etc. They're among the handful of companies that are actually at level four. But it really depends on the company's contact and the business environment. Not all the companies need to get to level four. Ah, uh, it might be good enough to stay at the building stage if you find that machine learning is only going to be useful for your core product offering and you're going to buy you know, smart solutions for your internal operation, et cetera, et cetera. So depending on the context, the team needs to make an explicit decision which stage they're going to stop with. But I like the context point very much. We believe, you know, and we've got you know, obviously a thesis around in terms of applied artificial intelligence that companies that can differentiate themselves, get better returns and better values by beginning to leverage this emerging technology. At the same time, you're kind of gating a little bit by context and understand what fits within it. And I mentioned applied artificial intelligence, and we started talking about the traditional data science team go back to the word applied, you know, you don't have a data science team. You call them the applied research team. And I'd love to hear why that's important to you. Because at Jordan Partners, what the team is doing, uh, I feel there's still a big difference comparing to a traditional data science team. Uh, the reason we call us applied research team because we want to sit between academia researchers and the data science team in industries. What we do 
is try to monitor the cutting edge research in academia and identify opportunities or feasible solutions and bring them into an industry adoption setting.、Um, that's not what a traditional data science team in a company will do. But with that said. As a company become more and more mature in adopting machine learning, for example, going from level one, level two, to level three, level four, the data science teams there will typically do more and more applied research work because at that stage they want to further differentiate their offering from their market competitors. Pure traditional data science work won't be enough anymore at that point. And when they're ready to do that, your team will be ready to help them. Chicha, this was really interesting, informative. I definitely want to have you back. I want to talk more about you know building these teams and growth maturity model. But this was insightful and a great discussion. Thanks so much for giving me the time today. Thank you for having me, John. 